Hi out there. I'm Pat Polly, and I'd like to welcome you to my show, Heartbeat Northwest. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m., we interview people from all kinds of arts and talk about goings on in the local art scene. And here to talk with us today is Ray Cullum, the new CEO, and really new, I mean, in August you started, right, Ray? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I, I started coming out here for a few days at a time back in May. August 1st is when we packed the car full of dogs and cats and kids and drove from New York City straight across to here. So, oh, so anyway, welcome to our you. area. I hope you thrive here. <laughs> and he is a new CEO of the Tatiuchi Center, a $195 million performing arts center to be built in downtown Bellevue. And uh, with over 25 years of experience in the commercial and nonprofit arts industry, uh, Mr. Cullum brings a wealth of knowledge. His previous renovation and development projects include the Theater Row Complex in New York City, the Bethesda Theater in the Washington, D.C. area, and 650,000 square foot Zorlu Center in Istanbul. And he also yeah. had a TV program <laughs> in Turkey. So, and then he also did a 2000 seat uh, SIDC North Bun Theater in Shanghai. So he has had experience all over the world with developing uh, different theaters. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Pat. It's a great pleasure to be here. Thank you. Great. We're so happy you could come in. But before we get started, let's talk about some events put on by our local sponsors, uh, Bellevue Arts Museum and Kirkland Arts Center. And I've been to both of them, by the way. Incredible organizations. Really wonderful. Great. Thank you. Thanks for the Everybody should go. (laughs) But at BAM, they are having their yearly breakfast coming up, and that's Thursday, October 25th. Uh, It's 7 to 9 a.m., of course, breakfast. And uh, Mona Locke, uh, Vice President of Strategy and Business Development at MG2, will speak on the value of the arts and its important role in shaping vibrant communities. And also, Kemper Freeman will speak on the value of Bellevue Arts Museum And Ben Haywood, who is the director and chief curator at BAM, uh, will lead a tour of current exhibitions. So that's Thursday, October 25th, and that's called The Breakfast for Community Leaders. And we'd like to see all the community leaders there. I'll be there. (laughs) Great. Okay. That's a good start. And then at the Kirken Arts Center on Tuesday, October 2nd, which is next week, 7 p.m., I'll be there. <laughs> Beverly Natus will give a talk on art for social change. Now, Beverly's given this talk in, in on several venues. She's an associate professor of interdisciplinary art at the UW, and she is a, an arts activist. It seems like art is kind of going very political these days, and she'll oh, give you some words on that. Oh, always been political, but... It's always been political. That probably is true. (laughs) Anyway, great. We'll be back shortly talking with Ray Cullum about the Tatiuchi Center. From new exhibitions to community events, Bellevue Arts Museum is always new, always different, and always exciting. From August 31st through September 30th, 
BAM hosts a pop-up exhibition of emerging Northwest artists as part of the City of Bellevue's annual art festival, Bellwether. Bellevue Arts Museum will be free and feature a series of events and performances for the two-week run of the festival. Through September 30th, catch the first museum exhibition from Female, AMPM 2.0. Female is a Seattle and Los Angeles-based fashion collaboration conducted through the U.S. Postal Service. Exchanges by collaborators Janelle Abbott and Camilla Carper. For more information, visit BellevueArts.org. Get your daily dose of variety. Alternative Talk, 1150. Welcome back to Artbeat Northwest. We're here talking with Ray Cullum about the Tatiuchi Center, a $195 million performing arts center to be built in downtown Bellevue. And Ray, uh, we were talking about this a lot of people around here give you kind of a blank stare <laughs> when you say Tatiuchi Center. Yeah. Uh, why don't you tell the listeners exactly what the Tatiuchi Center is or will be? Sure. Um, for more than 20 years, a group of uh, very dedicated Bellevue citizens uh, have had this idea of building a performing arts center on the east side. Um at first, the idea was that it was going to be an east side home for Seattle performing arts groups, that they could have a place on both sides of the lakes, uh, both sides of the lake to perform. And as time has gone by, and actually the thing that drew me here was Bellevue has changed a great deal. The east side has changed a great deal. Uh, the population, the drivers of the economy, just really sort of the entire engine of what's driving the east side and Bellevue has, has completely changed. And the Performing Arts Center that was envisioned 20-plus years ago is also going to change as well to keep up with not what Bellevue was, but what Bellevue is and what Bellevue is going to be. So there is a, a wonderful parcel of land at the corner of 106th and 10th in downtown Bellevue, right next to the Hyatt Hotel, um, that has been donated. Uh, and the, the plan is to build a 2,000-seat uh, main performance hall, and uh, a smaller uh, sort of educational black box uh, kind of space, as well as a, a very large patron area for people to come and, and hang out and be comfortable in a very digitally activated space. Um, and, and also what we're going to offer the community within this space is a is a we work space or a maker space for artists to come in and and work with some of the latest technology to, to practice their craft, to become better teachers, for patrons to come in and understand the performing arts a little bit better from the aspect of a, of a practitioner of it. So we really do mean to be a performing arts center in the true definition of the word center. We're not just a theater. We're not just a venue. We are a place where we hope to have a discussion, an ongoing discussion about the performing arts um, and have a great variety of them there for people to choose from. So uh, one of the things that you have said is that it's woven from many strands. Does that talk about all different kinds of arts or does it talk to our diverse population or does it talk to both? I, I think it talks to both. The first thing that we're doing when I came in was I needed to commission a real analysis of the East Side to find out who lived here. And this is the exciting part for me as a, as a programmer and an arts manager is to discover the population, discover who they live here, what they're, what they're doing for entertainment, 
what they're not doing, what they would like to be doing. You make a mistake as a programmer if you come into a place and you say, well, I know art, and therefore I will use my point of view to bring art into this community. And what you learn very quickly is that the community isn't interested in your version of the art. What they're interested in is what they are interested in, what resonates with them, and then you use your experience and knowledge as a programmer and an artist to, to, to work with that, to push the boundaries of that a little bit, to, uh, to bring people in and to engage them. So woven from many strands does refer to both. It refers to bringing in uh, many different disciplines of performing arts, um, combining them in different ways on our stage, different cultures, co uh, cross-cultural collaborations, and also getting artists, uh, audiences to mix and meet uh, on this platform and to do things that they wouldn't have done before, to take a chance on, on seeing something that maybe they wouldn't have occurred to them to, to come in and see, but because of their experience with the Performing Arts Center and because of their interest in learning about a different culture. Uh, they're going to come and take a chance. Now, you're going to start out with some education programs uh, even before this center is built, yeah. right? So the the Tadayuchi Center and uh, the parent company, which is called Performing Arts Center Eastside, is, is not just the building. Building the building is one step along the way. Um, and and uh, opening the day to the crowds of people who we hope will come is not the beginning of the journey or the end of a journey. Um, so the actual curation of arts and education programs in the Eastside communities will begin in 2019. Um, I see our role as sort of an umbrella resource provider for artists and teachers on the East Side. We're not going to go and teach trombone lessons, for instance, but we're going to find people who teach trombone and give them the tools and the resources to to do their job better, or to have a broader reach for their voice, to have uh, to have access to expertise, to rehearsal space, to collaboration space, to classroom space. Um, so, along with the analysis of the population on the east side, will be a very stringent analysis of the education programs, art education programs that are available on the east side, and finding out where the strengths are, and where the weaknesses are, and where the holes are, and figuring out what we can do to make sure that the entire Eastside community has a comprehensive arts program that crosses demographic lines, economic lines. Uh, we definitely believe that arts education is as important as a math education or a science education or a writing education in, in crafting a, an adult human being. So now in your, um you said you did a survey, or you're going to do a survey, of what the East Side wants yep. as far as the arts. And and certainly this needs to be done because right now we have a very uh, strong dearth of very much artistic on the East Side, considering sure. that we have more population than Seattle, Yeah, and we have certainly less culture well, and less arts. Yeah, no, uh, the so the... You mentioned that I worked in, in Istanbul, where I lived for uh, several years building this performing arts center. And one of the challenges that I encountered there was there was a certain amount of the population that had grown up very exposed to arts and had grown up seeing symphonies and operas and dance companies. But by and large, the vast majority of the population, culturally, the performing arts wasn't a part of their day-to-day -day lives. 
So it was introducing the performing arts and making the value argument of this is this is worth your time and this is worth your money. And it's a completely different argument than you're making to people understand and, and know the arts. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, we brought in the Royal Opera production of La Boheme into Istanbul. And there was a certain amount of the population that you could just say to them, uh, La Boheme, Royal Opera Cover Garden, Pugini, and that was all it took. <laughs> but for the vast majority of the population, none of those things had any relevance to them. So the challenge to us as programmers and as, as marketers and people who believed in the inherent you know, quality and goodness of the arts in people's lives was to make the argument to this group of people for its intrinsic value. And I do see that that's some of the work that we have to do here on the east side. So you're looking for a broader audience. Correct. So we're looking to get that into... That is more inclusive. It's a very... It's a multicultural uh, audience of all different socioeconomic status with all different artistic traditions, some of which range from no exposure to performing arts at all to a very high and deep involvement with the performing arts. And how do we construct performing arts programming, education programmings that speak to each of these groups, that engage the groups that aren't naturally or culturally inclined to participate in the performing arts, um, and to take to take it and spread it evenly across the east side to make sure that everybody not just has access to it, but is encouraged to participate in it in an active way as a, as a patron, as a practitioner. Um, that's the exciting challenge of this community. And in, in some ways, it's a bit like Istanbul, Turkey, in that this is the argument I have to make to a whole bunch of different um, demographic groups with a, with a whole number of different levels of artistic exposure and knowledge. And interest. And interest, yes. <laughs> so now, say, uh, coming from the viewpoint that we are, you know, really a high-tech area. Yeah. Now, how are you going to make this center appeal to to those kinds yeah. of persons who have, you know, been kind of a bugaboo in the arts here? I mean, they they uh, are hard to recruit into sure. supporting no, the I'm arts, glad you asked that. but. What, you know, what's the passageway? <laughs> yeah. So the, the reason I came here was um, I love building performing arts centers. This will be the seventh structure, whether new construction or renovation, that I've worked on. Um, but I was to the point in my career that I, what, I didn't just want to build another one. And something I've been very interested in for the past five or six years is discovering what is the next generation of performing arts space. Um, I have a son who's, I have three children. My son is 16 years old and um, engages the world in a completely different way than I did, people my age did, um, a, 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 through, uh, through digital, through virtual reality. And this is his expectation of life. And this is the expectation of life of a lot of people of that generation. And we're not building a building for me or for my generation or the people who are currently on the board. The life of this building is going to be for the next 100 years. When you, when you build a theater, you think about building a 100-year building. So if you look at the pace of change of technology and the way the next generation and the generations after that are going to look to encounter the world, the arts has to keep up with that. The performing arts has to find a way to incorporate 
the technological world, virtual reality, augmented reality, digital engagement into the live performing arts experience. So the thing that brought me here was the idea of working with some really smart people out here, some really entrepreneurial, technologically focused, innovative people out here to sort of design and envision the next generation of performing arts space. And that's the message that I believe will resonate with the tech community out here. We've already been speaking to them, and, and, it, and, and it, uh, you see the light go on in their eyes because they don't naturally make a connection between the performing arts and technology. But there is very definitely, and we're going to find it, the nexus point between the current generation of technology and performing arts and to build a building that is scalable and updatable so that when it opens, it's not frozen in time in 2021 or 2022, but that it has the innate capacity to be upgradable and keep up with whatever the current generation of technology is in the same way my son's computer is, where he plays a game, but he gets to the point where his graphics card can't handle it. He pulls it out, he puts the new one in, and voila, his computer <laughs> is upgraded and can do things it could never do before. So you're thinking that this center does need at least some redesign in the interior oh, uh, we are, function. We are deep into the redesign process. To, the, to everybody's credit on the board and everybody involved with this project, they understand that this, this can't be a building frozen in time, that, that everything has changed materially since this building was first thought of. And when the current iteration of the plans were first drawn, um, so we are taking the time to look over every assumption that has been made about this building to make sure that we are building the right building for Bellevue in the early 2020s, but also in the early 2050s. My challenge to the board has been, we don't want to build the last building of the 20th century. We want to build the first building of the 21st century. And everybody's very excited about that. Well, that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> now, do you plan to be hands-on then with the architects and really get in there? And yeah, that's actually the part that I really enjoy. Oh, great. Um, so for, for through seven projects and through almost 30 years, that's been a something that a journey that I've sort of taken from being deathly afraid of architects and, and um, subservient to their every whim to, to in many ways, <clears throat> excuse me, an architect's work nightmare in that I have a great deal of experience. I've seen mistakes that have been made. I've seen things that have worked really well, and I'm not afraid to stick my hand in or my nose in into the design process in the very basic level of it. Um, and so far, it's been a great collaboration. The the architects are really kind of reinvigorated around this vision of creating something completely innovative and something new. Um, the big idea really is to create the building that every building from now on draws its inspiration from. In the same way, when La Scala Opera House opened in the 17-whenever, 80s in <laughs> Milan, it set the standard for acoustics, for sight lines, for the way an audience has a relationship with the stage that was copied into every theater building that was built after that. That's our big idea here, is to create the seminal La Scala building for the next generation of performing arts spaces. Now, have you had some experience, like when you built the large performance uh, center in Turkey, mm -hmm. uh, 
did you incorporate a lot of technology in in that complex? We did. Well, that building, which is now the largest performing arts multi-venue space in Europe, six hundred and fifty thousand square. Yeah, feet. five five venues. A- amazing. It must inside have been. two venues outside. I think I'm going to have to go back to Turkey. Yeah, no, it's a <laughs> it's a pretty it. it's a pretty monumental thing. Um, so what that building was and is is the perfect expression of the sort of the highest level expression of the current generation of performing arts space. And uh, yes, we incorporated into it the latest in the technology of audience management, of lighting, of sound, of rigging, of everything else. What I'm talking about with this building is jumping to the next generation of performing arts space. Okay, but we have to jump to a break right now. <laughs> very good, <laughs> we'll very good segue, Pat. I like that. <laughs> back shortly with more about the... High-tech Tatiuchi Center to be built in 2021 with new CEO Ray Kolop. We'll be right back. Get into the art groove and take a class at Kirkland Art Center from ceramics, painting, printmaking, drawing, Photoshop, collage, and more. You can experiment or refine at the East Side's number one arts learning center. Register now for fall classes starting in September. At Kirkland Art Center, you can express your inner artist or explore a whole new world of creativity. Located in the heart of Kirkland on Market Street in the historic Peter Kirk building, it looks like a castle. Learn more at kirklandartcenter.org. Working hard to put a smile on your face. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to RV Northwest. We're here talking with Ray Colum about the Tatiuchi Center, $195 million performing arts complex to be built in downtown Bellevue with high-tech vision. And Ray wants to talk a little bit more about the high-tech. Yeah. When I talk about the technical nature of this building, what I don't want to get lost is... The, the tech is to enhance the live theater performance. It's not to take the place of the live theater performance. So this is a building that will still be able to do perfectly. Dance, opera, musical theater. But the idea is to figure out how to take this next generation of technology and seamlessly integrate it into the live performance. There was recently a production of Tempest by the Royal Shakespeare Company. And they took one of the characters, a fairy character named Caliban, and they decided he was going to be a virtual character. And so backstage, they had an actor in a motion capture rig, direct sight of line to the stage, and he was interacting live with the performers, but he was being motion captured and projected onto different media on the stage. It didn't take away from Shakespeare's masterwork of The Tempest. It enhanced it. So that's oh, what I'm talking wonderful. about. Yeah. It sounds like it was so, really So the, the live performance will always be at the heart of what we do. The technology piece is just how we take it and we make it work with the current way the world is being consumed by consumers of entertainment. Okay. Well, it sounds great, but how do you envision raising the balance of the funds? And I know they've raised a lot of funds, and yeah. City of Bellevue has pledged $20 million. And the support many from donors. the City of Bellevue is unprecedented in terms of a city of this size, and we are delighted that they have chosen to express the support in such a tangible way and to make it clear how important this project is to the future of Bellevue. So great thanks to them. But how do you envision raising the rest of the funds? Well, I not that I think it's going to be easy, but we have raised, the organization has raised a very substantial amount of money. And what we've been talking about is a building. We've been talking about 
uh, a beautifully designed building in a beautiful location with it's easy to get to with great parking. What, what we haven't talked about yet is the vision for the programming of the building and how it's going to engage with the community. And there's a large number of donors who give, and there's more of them out there who are interested in a statement in bricks and mortar. But there's a whole second level, I think much larger level, of potential supporters of the venue who are waiting to hear about the vision, about how the building is going to engage the community, what the programming is going to be, and the difference in the lives of people on the east side that it's going to make. So you're trying to create a larger vision that will encompass the uh, the dreams of more people, and that yeah. will create a greater amount of support, well, and boom, you're going to break ground coming up, but you yeah. can't put a date on it yet, right? Not yet. Innovation takes time, especially as we're going now through this reassessment of the assumptions that have been made. But, you know, Bellevue and the East Side are the center of the future of the world. It's where the innovation is happening. The entrepreneurial spirit here is is so different even from New York City, where I came from, and certainly Istanbul and uh, And we and need the to other. harness that, we right? We do. <laughs> and, but where other than this community would you build this building? Where else in the world would it be more appropriate to create the beta version of the next generation of performing arts center than in a place that is defined by innovation and defined by entrepreneurial and forward thinking? So what are the benefits of, of uh, latching onto this and becoming a donor before the facility is built? Well, it's all about investing in this community. What I keep finding out is people tell me, well, you know, I moved here for a year and 20 years later, I'm still here. Oh, and, that's nice. And it's because <laughs> truly there's no place like this. Uh, living to have a family, to have a quality of life that you have here, it doesn't, it's, it's unusual. And so the reason you would you would support a place like this is that the community needs it. The community it absolutely need it. needs. I think you have to kind of change the vision of a lot of people yeah. in this community because I know we have some arts organizations. Great who arts are, organizations, by the who way, who are struggling though. Absolutely. And as you arts know, organizations are everywhere. So you need to not only think in terms of building this organization mm-hmm. plus the building but of having funds that keep sure. this going in perpetuity yeah. once it's built. How do you plan to do that? Well, I think I said earlier that what I've been focusing the board on is not opening day. And to me, success is when you get to year five and year 10 with stability. You mentioned that I spent half my life in the for-profit side. And because of that background, I have a great commercial sense. And what I found my whole career is that when I work in the commercial world, they think I'm a crazy dreamer. And when I work in the not-for-profit world, they think I'm a godless Philistine. And I think that means I'm doing it right. You must I'm walking be doing right down it the right. Middle. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for coming in. We'll do it again. Now, how do we go online to find more about the Tatiuchi Center? Uh, there's a lovely website, uh, tatiuchicenter.org. And Tatiuchi is spelled T-A-T-E-U-C-H-I center.org. Great. Okay. Please check out this website to see what this wonderful new performing arts center will look like inside and out, except you're going to update it. We will. It's not uh, quite updated Come around yet. the middle of November. We'll be making a rather middle large November. announcement about the new direction, the new public face of the organization. So Great. stay tuned. Watch this space. Okay. And join us again next week when Washington Lawyers for the Arts, a nonprofit group supporting artists, will be here on Artbeat Northwest. I'm Pat Polly signing off on Alternative Talk 
1150. Have a great, creative week.